This is the Influence Leadership Podcast, Episode 41. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller, where our heart is to develop leaders like you and help you increase your individual influence and leadership skill set. I am Brett Duncan, and I am here today with the the ever busy, the, the road warrior, the traveler extraordinaire, Mr. Chris Fuller. Chris, how are you, sir? Brett Duncan, good to hear your voice. Yeah, good. I, I don't hear that often, so I'll take it when I can get it. That's great. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Yes, you've been a, a, a very a busy little bee, I think is what they say in Gladiator. You've been a busy little bee um, and had a lot going on. Fill us in, kind of where in the world is Chris Fuller these days? It has been coast to coast. I was on a stretch of, uh, of 31 out of 38 days uh, on the road. In, in front of rooms from from coast to coast, north to south, and and all points in between. Already racked up ninety thousand air miles for the year, and by the end of May, we'll all already have over a hundred thousand, which requalifies me for the uh, annual um, top tier of American Airlines um, within five months of uh, completing five months of the year. Yeah. So a little busy, but uh, it has been fantastic. Love adding value. Really hard to say no when a client says, "Can you come help us?" Um, the help um, button is uh, is one of those things that I have a hard time resisting. Yeah, well, and you know, a lot of times we always and we will here shortly jump right into some great, great content. But I'm curious. I mean, what does that look like? Like uh, all this traveling you've been doing. What's the uh, examples of the type of work you've been doing? So really, you know, some of the things that I'm seeing is. Business right now at times is a speed drill, and as you're looking at this speed drill, there are there are some things that um, that start to thin the nerves, if you will. And once we start thinning the nerves, and we're running in this pace, this hectic pace, we start losing the elasticity and the ability to team, and and all of that can start to sort of derail some conversations, and we start to diminish effectiveness, and maybe leaders start leading a little less authentic to their desired style. And a little bit more command and control, and then um, we're 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 trying to decide how we resource this thing. How do we run? We want to ramp up. We want to scale. We have these opportunities for additional contracts. How are we going to get them? How are we going to keep them? How are we going to? I mean, all of the all those scenarios. And so, as we walk through, not only teaching the components of leadership, but facilitating some of the meetings that allow them, they already know the answer. It's just getting the teams quiet enough and pulled away enough to uh, to dial it into who does what by when and to start to cascade the the uh, delineation and delegation um, to the to leaders at every level. So really, it's just been getting teams to collaborate with themselves, talking about leadership principles in the middle of all of it, and then uh, lining out the uh, the details of what's next and and then just serving as an accountability partner with them to um, get past the sticky points and and really start to achieve the dreams that these leaders have and the culture that the people want to work in. Yeah. Well, and in the midst of all that, too, you've had, I have to point out, you've had a, a major accomplishment, something that you identified even on the podcast a few episodes back. You identified this is something I want to accomplish in 2017. And it happened, right? It did. It's a it's a fantastic honor. I received a notification by phone and then received a letter in the mail that uh, this July they will um, 
they will award me. They'll they'll hang a medal around my neck and and certify me as a um, certified speaking professional, which is a really as far as those speakers that uh, uh, that really make it their full time. This is one of the top honors of uh, anybody in the professional speaking business, and and really. Um, uh, thrilled to have it. it. It means that a lot of my clients um, championed me to the National Speakers Association and validated um, that not only um, does he have a great heart, he's actually pretty good at what he does. <laughs> and then you have to go through a council of your peers. So those that are already um, in this club then have to watch a video of you and uh, certify that, yeah, you're you're welcome into this, um, you know, this club. And it's a pretty cool for me, it's a it's an honor not only from from a customer centric standpoint, but from a peer based speaker consultant standpoint as well. So, I am absolutely thrilled. It's one of those uh, you know one for me. It was one of those professional designations that I wanted. I wanted to achieve it this year, and we were a little bit behind the eight ball on on approaching the deadline to get it done. And I had some recommendations that we just kind of scrap it and shoot for next year. And and to me, I would have let myself down on that. And I just couldn't do it. And so called a speed drill, knocked it out within, you know, seven to 10 days. And and ultimately, um, it's something I wanted to achieve. And, and we knocked it out this year. And so, um, you know, very grateful for for the peers and for the clients and uh, and really thankful that I I just decided I wasn't going to let another year go by and be disappointed in myself not getting in the application and going through the arduous, and it is a arduous um, set of paperwork and being able to prove out all that you've done over the last 10 years. That is great. Congrats, Chris. I know that is a a huge honor and rare company, so uh, very, very impressive. I, you know, it's one of those weird pieces. I'm, I'm so thankful for it. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to let me raise my fee now that I have that little CSP behind my name. Yeah. But, uh, but <laughs> it's like the clients that got you there are now going, wait a minute, I helped you get there. That's right. Yeah. And now you're costing me more. How is this? How is this, how's this benefit? Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's great. Well, I, who knows? We might talk a little bit more about that in future episodes. Um, but today you've been working, as you mentioned, with a lot of different companies. And it seems like a, a common theme has been coming up. And that is truly, you know, leaders having this ability and confidence and uh, just a, a general habit of making a business case for what they need. Now, this is an interesting topic. I don't, I don't know that you would see this just pop up on in all the leadership books out there and podcasts and things like that. So, Chris, what is prompting this is from your standpoint in terms of this is a major topic that leaders really need to take on? A tremendous topic. And the reason it's a tremendous topic is twofold. Leaders are in charge with equipping, delineating, delegating and resourcing the team. And when a leader fails to resource the team, an organization is likely not going to achieve the results that they need to achieve. And more and more pressure is being put on leaders at every level to do more with less. And the do more with less mindset, the the zero based budgeting, right? The the you know you have no approval for headcount. We're going to flatline the budget, or we're going to ask you to reduce your headcount by X. And and I, I just see leader after leader after leader accepting it as if they don't have control. And so I'm constantly challenging these leaders and these individual contributors 
you have absolute control of your world, of your destiny. You are there to fulfill a promise to the organization to yield the greatest benefit. And what, what that means in this particular case is that you show them the consequence of underfunding the business, that you you demonstrate back to the, the parent company or to the 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 C-suite, to the to you know, to to the division head, any of those, the consequence of underfunding and the business case, the cost-benefit analysis of of doing what you believe needs to be done in the first place. And I don't, I, I you know, I I think that people just aren't in the habit of it, or maybe they don't have a good methodology, or they're a little bit scared of making the business case and looking at ROI. But you know, the scariest piece is if we don't fight for it as leaders, it's not just going to get handed to us. Yeah, we yeah. have to be the ones that that champion this for for the team and for the organization. Yeah, it's it's such a great point. I mean, and when we're talking about the business case, you know, this isn't. Uh, this isn't some fluffy, you know, we're not using that as a metaphor, right? We're talking about you need to make a business case. Um, you need to show, hey, if we do this, if we fund this, if we invest money or resources in this activity or, or these people or whatever it is, here's what we can accomplish. And it seems to me, you tell me, Chris, what you've seen, but I have run across leaders who are great leaders in terms of, you know, leading people. People want to follow them. They are great at vision casting. Some of them are also, they can apply that same skill set to making a business case. And others, it's it's completely foreign territory to them. As much as I might respect them and, and revere them in one area, uh, I'm always surprised how some leaders at this level just do not understand how to translate uh, their vision into a business case. What do you think is driving that? And, and don't let me make an assumption. Has that been your experience too? And what have you seen happen there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it it's the difference between um, people that are willing to um, to chase the to get out of the tyranny of the urgent, right? To get to get you know the old saying is the working on the business versus working in the business, and it takes extra time to kind of kick back and really start to think this these things through and utilize critical thinking and and do some data analysis and then put it all together. and And some people are are better in people skills than they are business acumen. And in some cases, a lot of cases that I run into, leaders are promoted based on skill level at the prior level, not at their present level. So as they're promoted to that next level, no one really sits down and says, oh, yeah, and by the way, let me walk you through some business acumen for your level and how to make a business case. Mm-hmm. And so because they they ascend right to, through performance, they get to a spot where now they need some business acumen, some some skill-based aspects that haven't necessarily come through the track that they've been on. And it's just a skill to learn. It's another skill to learn to, to become effective in, in, in getting what you need to be able to run the business. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that, but if you're an executive, you know, if you're that top level and you have people coming to you, or at least you hope they're coming to you with business cases, um, it's in your best interest to at least equip them to do that well. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of an interesting concept, um, and, and there are so few leaders doing it. Let me just encourage you, if you're listening to this podcast, there are so few leaders making the business case. If you get this skill down, you're going to outpace your peers, mm-hmm. and your budget's going to get approved for bigger and more and better than your peers are because you're willing to take this extra time 
and to uh, and to make the business case. And so performance goes up, quality of life goes up, and uh, and your brand goes up. So it's a it's a skill that would be in everybody's best interest to to jump in and learn. Yeah, and it seems like so often too. Like I can think of times I've made a business case to the CEO or whatever it is. You know, in in some cases it's like, hey. It's, uh, we don't know exactly what the secret is. Uh, some people haven't, some people don't as far as, you know, getting him to say yes to something or, you know, or, you know, on the other hand, it's like, Hey, here's how she likes it. Here's how she wants this to be presented to her. And if you want to give your idea in your case, that's best shot, this is the format you should do it in. And I really think that, you know, latter version is great for the executive, right? Cause otherwise you're going to be wasting your time with a lot of presentations that are, in business cases that simply aren't being done the way you need them to be done. So you can make a good decision. hundred percent. And, and, and if you value your leader's time and if you come in sharp and crisp and, and you're making the case in the way that the leader wants it, it's going to elevate your voice above the fray and you're going to get the ear of the leader, which ultimately if you can get the ear and the mind, you get the checkbook with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is, um, Talk to me about some consequences. I mean, you, you've already mentioned a few, but consequences when a leader doesn't do this well, doesn't do it often, what are the long-term effects that that leader will likely experience? Well, so one of the things that, that I'm seeing right now in a couple of different companies is if you don't have the right headcount, let's just say we're arguing for headcount. And I've been through some things where people are saying, no, you know, it's a zero-based headcount, zero-based headcount. And and I just started asking them, talk to me about that. And they said, well, you know, we're hiring temps and and essentially the the temp agencies that we're utilizing, um, the quality of the candidate, how we're training them, the speed drill that we're under, only one out of every four temporary uh, labor help sticks. So they have a 75 percent turnover in labor. Hmm. So I'm like, well, if you if you don't address it and you. And you're utilizing, you know, the the headcount as the metric. You're going to be in trouble. Let's go win the battle about hours build or labor hours at the end of the week, not headcount on the floor. Because if you already know three out of four are leaving, what does it matter if I put four or eight on the floor, knowing that only two are going to stick by Friday? Mm-hmm. And the benefit back to that is going to be tremendous. Because what we're seeing in this particular organization is people working six, six and a half days a week, 12 plus hours a day, they are killing themselves. And the best contributors, those that can stay in that environment, are burning out. The quality's going down, the error rate's going up. And, and really, they're on the precipice of losing a lot of good players because simply they won't stop back up when the argument that needs to be won to say, if you want this business model to be repeatable, sustainable, scalable, you have to fund this. And if somebody says, well, we're just not going to do it, you got to go back and make a better business case. And you got to continue to show them time and time and time again, this is what is needed. And so some can be a little bit of a shorter ramp. And if you're wanting some significant budget you know, and making a business case, you may want to be very strategic about it. And you may want to say, you know what, if we're going to ramp up in 2018, um, I think the headcount's probably going to need to go up or I think we're going to need to do X. So you may need to back up and start doing some drip marketing 
a year, 18, 24 months in advance. Mm, man. And you talked about, you know, being that perseverance and being relentless there. And that's really where a lot of leaders fall short, right? Is they'll make the case and uh, maybe the case gets shut down and they drop it at that, right? But if I'm hearing you right, hey, if you're convicted and you're clear on that, this is what has to happen for us to accomplish what we want to accomplish, you've got to keep pushing it, right? You have to keep bringing it up. Yeah, there's, you know, if it's, um, you have to become a salesperson. And, and I know that, you know, the, the vast majority of people don't want to be a salesperson and they don't want to be salesy, but, but here's the piece, you know, those that make the best case, those that are the most diligent are going to win the race. And there's no reason for you to give up if you are compelled, right? If you are passionate about this, if you believe this, then we talked about it before that I, as a leader, may may just tell you no to see how convinced you are of it or to see if you really need mm. what you're needing or if you just kind of want some extra fluff in the budget. Yeah, that is a good point. And a lot of leaders do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Obviously, the if it's a if it's a great idea or if it's truly something that that I truly believe needs to happen, I'm not going to let it go. Are you halfway in this thing? Are you are you mailing it in or are you really, truly committed and you believe it with all your heart and you're willing to go to the mat uh, to, to be able to, to put this thing together? That in and of itself becomes this key uh, delineator where if you believe it so, so much, so intensely that you're going to approach me time and time and time again, uh, then you know what? I'm going to take a look at it just because you're this passionate about it. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That passion is contagious. Right. And. And even sometimes, I mean, we've seen this, I bet you've seen it in your career too, but sometimes that passion alone over time, <laughs> sometimes that executive will just give in, right? And say, hey, fine, go for it, you know, and whether they're completely behind it or on board or believe in it or not, they, they see that you are. And so they're willing to say, you know, knock it out, go for it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And, and and again, I may have to go sideways with it. You know, I may have to win the argument that essentially says, look, I'm not asking for any additional dollars in the budget. Mm -hmm. But what I am asking for is the permission to be discretionary with the dollars that you've already allotted. Right. And so that becomes that that key piece is is how do we become resourceful? How do we become innovative to be able to achieve what we need to achieve in the business? And, you know, the, my initial piece that I strive for is just give me a yes. Right. It's almost like the dumb and dumber. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because there is a difference. I mean, there's times to ask for more money. Right. Hey, there's no other way around it. We need I need my budget to be increased. But a lot of times, and especially if you want to build that trust whenever that time comes, the best thing you can do is show them how great a steward you are over the budget that's been given to you. Um, and, you know, that you think creatively about how to use that budget and obviously in a way that impacts the, the business in the positive. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've heard time and time again recently leaders saying, I don't know that you're being effective with your existing headcount, so I don't necessarily want to give you more headcount mm. until you deal with some of your underperforming players now. Mm. So that's a valid um, that's a valid statement. However, you have to win the argument that essentially says, yes, I get it. And I'm unwilling to replace an underperforming player until I have someone up to speed. And so I need momentarily, I need the headcount to go up momentarily. 
um, so that I can get a couple of other players in place so that I can deal with the underperformer. I don't want to hurt myself twice and leave a spot open or vacant because simply because you want me to zero base the headcount mm-hmm. and I've got to find some other crafty ways to get through that. And I think that that the, the negative consequence of that is if we're kicking it to temp labor, then are we truly getting someone who's committed to the workforce and you're saying, hey, I don't want you to you to change headcount. Well, so then I kick, kick it to temp agencies on a ad hoc basis. And I think at some point we're just kind of self-defeating um, that we've played this nice little math game around keeping headcount low, but it really has been a disservice to the organization. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been, I think, really good in terms of underscoring the importance of making business cases as a leader. Um, and ask yourself this one, are you making business cases as a leader? You know, and that might be all you needed to hear. You might say business. What, uh, what is that again? You just said, uh, <laughs> so if that is the case, we encourage you to start making business cases for what you want, for what you know, your team needs. Um, but also then, okay. If you are someone who does give business cases, are you passionate about it? Like you should be, are you, uh, do you persevere? Are you relentless? Uh, or do you truly understand the consequences? Um, and do you understand how your those that you need to present it to, how they will receive it best? And I think we'll talk ab- about that more because you have kind of three main areas on how to go about putting together strong business cases that I'm going to suggest, Chris, we kind of tackle in our next episode. What do you think? Yeah, sounds great. Okay. And you've touched on that a little bit here. So just keep this in mind. Let's keep this theme of business cases kind of fresh on our minds. Uh, it certainly has inspired me a bit and prompted maybe a couple stories that will come out in our next episode. But um, make this a priority. Uh, ask yourself, where do I need to get better? Where do I need to do this more? What does that my team need from me? And, uh, you know, let's uh, let's take it from there and we'll show you some specific ways to do that in our next episode. Um, in the meantime, I uh, would definitely love for you to check out All Things Influence Leadership. You can do that at InfluenceLeadership.com. Uh, there's some great articles uh, in the blog. There's information about training and keynotes that uh, Chris does. And obviously, he mentioned today all the work he's been doing, consulting with different clients. If you think that's something that your company and organization would be interested in, we would certainly love to hear from you. And whether this is your 20th ever uh, episode to listen to of the podcast or your first one, uh, we encourage you, one, to subscribe if you haven't done that. And two, go back and listen to some of the other episodes um, you know, going all the way back even to the beginning, if you missed out on us running through the Iditarod leadership kind of overview of Chris's book, I definitely recommend that you do that because so many foundational leadership principles that are, are made available there. Would love to hear from you. Uh, certainly reach out to us, contact us. All that's available through the website uh, and on social media, of course, as well. Hit us on Facebook and whatever makes sense there. So we're excited about rolling into the next episode. We hope that you will join us there as we share some specifics on how to kind of shape and and go about making your business case. But until then, Chris, any final thoughts? I just want to encourage you, if you don't fight for your people who will, if you don't fight for what you need, ultimately it's going to affect your your brand and your ability to deliver the results that, um, that your organization has hired you to deliver. And it is a tough thing mentally, emotionally to think about having to fight the organization to serve the organization. 
but it's a fact in today's economy that there may be times where you have to struggle through, you have to fight through, you have to argue, you have to win the case to be able to get the resourcing that you need to be able to serve the organization that you're attempting to serve. And I know it's unpalatable. I know it doesn't taste good, right? It's like taking some bitter, bitter pills. But in the end, ultimately, this is one of our responsibilities as a leader is sometimes to fight the organization that we are serving with it with the right heart. I'm not saying, you know, be the backside of a mule. We've got to do it right, but we've got to win the day to be able to serve the organization. I just want to challenge you on that. Think about the things that you need to win the day on, plan on that, and then circle back for the next podcast around how to actually build some of those business cases. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Influence Leadership Podcast. Mm-hmm.